When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And just as a reminder, this is, you know, this is for the Cyberpunk Uncensored podcast, but I'm also streaming live through the, the Mulligan Live YouTube, and the, it goes to the group, just a bunch of other sites. But it is still Cyberpunk Uncensored, so if you, you know, you can cuss if you need to, <laughs> if you're excited. I don't know if you, if you. Uh, hey, if, uh, if it comes up. Yeah, I curse like a sailor, so it typically comes up. I've known some sailors. Some of them are actually fairly tame. <laughs> all right cool i think uh let's see here yeah twitch everything periscope everything's connected all right we're good to go awesome hey what's up everybody can see us now so this is cyberpunk uncensored but i'm also streaming live on the mulligan live youtube because it's a very important episode to me because i have a very special guest and that's jay gray from our talsorian games what's up man how you doing I am doing okay. How is it? Uh, three hours in the past. Yeah, yeah. I should ask you, like, man, what's the future like? You're you're three uh, hours ahead of me. <laughs> the bad news is it's still 2020. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. Hey, before we get started, let me just say, you know, thanks so much for joining me, especially since we tried to do this last week, and and you know we have the huge heat wave here in Los Angeles, and they're doing rolling blackouts, and it was just fucking up my internet connection. And we just couldn't get it going, so we just canceled. Uh, right when we got going, we canceled it. Um, but thanks so much for being flexible and coming back this week and doing this. Ah, it's no problem. Thanks for having me. Hell yeah. And just anybody that doesn't know, this is Jay Gray. You can see it right there in the title on the stream. He's the media ambassador for our Talsorian Games. And um, yep. what what does that entail? Just get you know brief breakdown, media ambassador for the company. Yeah, it, it breaks down to three areas. Um I talk to the media, I talk to the public, I talk to um, I talk to uh, actually that's pretty much it. Uh, apparently, it's not three areas, uh, but basically, you know, anything that involves talking for the company, uh, whether it's to fans or to uh, podcasters like you, that is my job. Uh, taking care of the website. Writing up the press releases, and because uh, we're a small company, everybody does a little bit of everything, which means uh, at the uh, at the end of the day, uh, I get to do. Uh, I work on uh, you know balancing inventory sometimes, and when need be, I, I take care of some you know customer support, whatever is needed at the time. And yeah. every once in a while, they let me do cool things like uh, write or do layout. Hell yeah. Yeah, no, and you run the social media sites and all that stuff, like you mentioned. And man, that that's one thing I really love about the company is that, like you said, it's it's more like a family. It's small. It feels, no matter how big it is and how cool it is, you know, from when I was a kid till now, like it 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 always feels like a family or like a real wholesome company, if you even want to call it a company. It feels like you know a family. But um, 
and, and I mean, we are definitely a company. But yeah, yeah, but we're a fa- we are we are literally a family company because the uh, the stakeholders are all have the last name Pondsmith. Yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> and I love and I love everyone that works uh, for the company and and with the company too. Not just the family and, and and the whole vibe of it, but like you in particular. You know, I I deal with from being a touring musician in the past, a filmmaker, all the different websites and businesses I run. Um, you know, doing the the game streaming. Just I I do so much stuff that I've dealt with so many different companies and sponsors and investors and things over the years. And, um, you know, it's like a 50-50 anytime I'm I'm reaching out or trying to make business contact or any type of contact with any level company, um, whether or not they're going to respond friendly or even respond or just treat you like a fucking number or whatever. And man, I love the way that you run things. Like you're just responsive. There's never a, you never feel like you're asking a dumb question. Like, you know what I mean? When I, when I come to you with certain red things, cause we got the advanced copy thanks to you. And, um, and I don't know, you just run it awesome. You share people's posts and podcasts and you do interviews and I don't know, you're just, you're awesome, dude. I, I love, I love the way you run things on, oh. with what you're doing. I <laughs> oh, thank you. I mean, I, I really appreciate that. That's super nice of you. The truth is, um, I just try to do the, do this job the way I would want someone to be doing the job if I were on the other side, you know? Yeah. You know, it, it, it's, that, it's, it's that simple. Uh, there are definitely times when I need to put down my phone <laughs> and stop looking at my email. Uh, and I, I, I work-life balance is a real thing that I struggle with uh, because it is so easy to do my job anywhere because of that thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, – for the most part, yeah, you know, I try to be responsive, and I hate saying no, and I do say no. Uh, you know, there are times when, you know, someone will say, oh, we want to do an interview with Mike, and I'll, I'll say, well, no, Mike wants to write uh, right now, so, you know, come back to us, because if he's only doing interviews, he is not creating anything, and then what's the point of being a game designer if you're not actually designing? Right. Yeah, yeah. But but uh, but for the most part, you know, I, I try to do it. You know, groups are good. Uh, I, there are people I'll say no to, but I always try to at least respond and say why. Yeah, and I, and I love. Uh, you know, I I have no balance either. You know, I'm a fucking workaholic, and I love it though. I'm I'm driven, and I have a passion for creating. You know, no matter on what level and what industry, I just love <laughs> that. So I'm, I'm a workaholic too, and I and I see how you you're the same way with that balancing because sometimes I'll get a reply from you you know, at a weird hour or something like I can tell you're just you're on it. Like you're just anytime that you're available, you're checking things out and you're responsive. And like, I don't know. I love that shit, man. I love people that hustle on that level, you know? Yeah. Um, but anyways, enough kissing your ass. Let's talk about some cyberpunk red, man. I'm excited about yes. this. Hell yeah. Um, so, yeah, I want to first off, you know, thanks for the advanced copy. You know, I'm streaming the, the two different teams weekly and our, our players love it. The viewers are loving it. I'm obsessed with it i think it's so cool um what how do you how did you decide you and the company or i don't know who if it was just you making that decision but how did you decide who to give advanced copies to to kind of test it out and play with it oh god i'm sort of some mercenary now um (laughs) uh it was a combination of things Uh, for one thing there have been uh groups we worked with for the last two years uh small groups large groups medium groups no critical role size groups uh, obviously but uh, uh different groups you know there was a time when uh you couldn't get people to play anything but D. 
And for a while, there was a time when you couldn't get people to play anything but the hottest thing on the shelf, you know, or what you know the the latest thing that Kickstarter. And so, you know, we started we started small. We said like anyone who played it will be glad to support you. We will we will share you out the best we can. We will give you books that you need to run the game because we want you playing our game. Because when you play our game, people will see you playing our game, and it could be ten people, it could be hundred people, but people see you playing our game and they say, oh, that looks fun. Maybe I want to play that game. Yeah. So it started with that, with groups that we were, um, we had a good engagement with, and that is actually why I said no to you. By the way, I said no to him the first time when I yeah. said no to you when you asked the first time, because at the time we hadn't worked together at all, and we were trying to, to you know, it, it, it takes time you build a relationship, you build trust. Uh, but at the same time, I, you know, I did sit down. One part of my job is uh, if I'm at my computer at, at my desk, you know, doing the, the normal day job, which I try to do. Uh, not that I have a day job, but when I'm doing the job during the day, uh, yeah. uh, on my second monitor, there's usually a YouTube or a podcast going uh, where it's somebody playing Cyberpunk or Witcher or Teenagers from Outer Space or Castle of Alkenstein. Awesome. And I'm watching uh, because there's the other thing is we won't uh, support a podcast or an actual play until i vet them sure because you know the last thing i want to do is 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 you know watch a group play you know give give something give support to a group and make them some somewhat official and then find out that they are saying something right. that is bad uh, reflects poorly on us so you know I, I watched you and you guys were great you know you've, you've got a great gm stage presence awesome. and your group your group you know is solid and on it and and into it and i was like okay well and it doesn't hurt that you have a good subscription count. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm working on it. So you know, all those things together, it, yeah, it's like okay, well, you know what? I, 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 technically speaking, I'd reached my limit, but one more group, I, th- I think we could handle that. Yeah, I think that I, I think the message you sent was something like, you know, this goes against my rules or something along those lines. But yeah, you know, you know I, had, I, I had set a rule. I think it was something like I was supposed to be ten groups. That I sent it to, um, and I made a list. But you know, every once in a while, uh, one of the things we say about uh, our games is that if a rule doesn't work at your table, you're free to you know ignore it or change it. And that's the same thing. Sometimes true with the rules that we set for the business. Well, I'm grateful for that. <laughs> Except for the tax rules, if the IRS is watching, we never bend those. Of course, hell yeah, man. That's dangerous shit. Um, yeah, yeah I, when I got that message, I got so it was early in the morning and then I saw that you actually sent it like the day before and I, I was so excited when I saw it. I was like, oh my God, and I couldn't believe I didn't see it the day before and I was just so fucking amped. It was so exciting, like a kid at Christmas. <laughs> so oh, thanks I, so I'm much. I'm glad. Yeah, yeah. And it's obvious you guys are having a good time. And that's what I like. The truth is um, we've done some bigger shows and some smaller shows and I enjoy the bigger shows too, but the, the smaller shows a lot of times are a lot more fun because – at one point, there's a level where you stop, almost stop becoming a player and start becoming a performer. If you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and the smaller shows, uh, you've got a good balance with this, but the smaller shows often, you know, they feel like they're they're people having fun at a table. And a yeah. lot of times, uh, to me, that sells the game better than than uh, you know, uh, perfectly edited cut stuff. Oh, exactly. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Like I watch live stream, live game streaming, like. I actually like that stuff. Some people don't like listening or watching live gaming like that when it's tabletop or even digital format, whatever. But I, I love that shit. Even like when I work out, I'll, I'll listen to that instead of music. Like it's that's how much I like it, you know. But um, but yeah, like when when I watch 
some streams, like you know, the bigger ones from like D and D streams and other bigger game systems and stuff that ha- ha- are already hitting mainstream for the past years. When I watch some of those, yeah, it seems very contrived, almost like you know, forced laughs and like, I mean, it's just some of it comes across almost cheesy, and then it, it you don't, it, it's like you can't respect the game at that point. Then you're starting to think like it's scripted, just like how some when, when you find out about certain reality TV shows are scripted. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's not. It's not scripted, but there there is some there is some after game editing that that changes the flow, and uh, yeah, because you know I, I I get to know uh, different groups like um, uh, the, some of the folks, for example, Rivals of Waterdeep, which is a D and D group that runs on Wizards of the Coast channel. They are good people. They love the game. There is no question about that. And I think the same is true with Matt Mercer, who uh, we were fortunate enough to have play Witcher at one point, or Matthew Lillard who played cyberpunk with Mike. Yeah. Yeah. I love Matthew um, Lillard. Um, and you know, these are people that obviously loved a game, but sometimes, sometimes you just want the raw. It's like, it's like, you know, sometimes you, sometimes you want, you know, sometimes you want the, the ballet and sometimes you just want the raw dance. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> I like it raw for whatever that's worth. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's between you and your partners. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, let's dive, let's dive a little bit into uh, cyberpunk red. Obviously, you know, like I was teasing before when I was like, uh, we started the stream last week. I'm like, all right, let's start reading word for word. Here we go. Like, <laughs> you know, like I understand that we can't go into detail, yeah. but I would like to at least. No, uh, yeah, we can talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mention a few things because I love what you guys did with the expanded life path system. Like cyber, mm. cyberpunk yeah, we can talk to me. We can yeah, yeah, cyberpunk to me has always been awesome because the way that the life path has been and all the variety within it and just the depth. And now I feel like, man, it even goes deeper. Like what you guys did with Red, giving each individual role, life path things. And like, I don't know, it's just, it's so cool. I love the expansion on that. Yeah, no, I, I enjoy it too. I, the, when they first talked about the concept, because uh, what we did for those of you who are familiar with life path from 2020, because uh, every time we do a life path, it's a little different. It's different Witcher, it's different in Mekton. Uh, it's different. Uh, it changed uh, in Cyberpunk. Uh, there is no life path in Falcon Scene or Teenagers, except for for fish. There is a fish life path in our anglers from Planet X free fishing supplement from Drive Through RPG. But uh, what we did is, if you're familiar with 2020, is there used to be a every year you have an event uh, right. section, and unfortunately, what that did is it created strange. I don't want to call them imbalances because I'm not fond of the word balance when it comes to game design. Because balance changes from table to table. But it created some strange things where you could have someone starting the game with a bunch of extras that they because they rolled well, and another person starting the game with a bunch of uh, penalties because they rolled poorly. Mm-hmm. And so we removed that. Um, so there is, that doesn't exist anymore. We could have possibly kept a year by year and not made them give you extras, but then they wouldn't feel like big, big wins or big losses. What we did instead is we broke it down so every role all 10 of them each have in addition to the general life path your character runs down their role specific life path to determine things like the net runner what kind of role are you what kind of solo are you what kind of net runner are you yeah, what kind that. of yeah what's your workspace like do you have a partner uh you know someone you work with are you part of a team uh if you're a rocker boy what kind of gigs do you play you know what, what part what, of town does the fixer run out of shit like that yeah it's exactly so cool yeah, yeah love, so all I that all detail. that's in there so uh, you're, you, you start off with not just some information about the character's life, but your information about the character's life as that role. Exactly, yeah. Which, 
I really like. Yeah, yeah, it dives into detail in such a way that, like, you can not just, like, imagine your character to whatever you want it to be, but you can create the character, if that makes sense. Like, before you would create the character to whatever the limitation was, and then you would add your own details and things like, oh, but I'm this type, and I do, but I do these types of jobs and out of this part of town and all that sort of shit, you know? And, like, I feel like you guys have nailed that, and, like, it just adds so much more depth to each uh, individual role life path. It's so cool. And then... And, and, and I, let me say, um, it's always been something you could do, but we're making... We've made it explicit in uh, Red is that you don't have to roll. You don't have to be random. You can choose if you want to. And that's even more important. And another reason why we got rid of the big wins and big losses kind of thing, because if you could choose... if You, you always have the option to choose. Yeah. You're always going to choose the big wins. Right, right. So... So um, uh, you always have the option to choose, and if something doesn't make sense, we encourage you to, to throw it out and pick something else. Yeah, no, I love that. that. That's one thing I always mention on different episodes of the podcast when I'm, when I'm talking about uh, you know, a few of the core things that I like about the way that you guys lay out rules and stuff. Not the rules specific, but the way you lay them out is always you know, choices and options. It's very flexible. It always feels like that. And then there's always sections that have like, um, like it might tell you about all the gangs and then say, however, feel free to make up your own, add your own. The city's full of them or like, you know, it, 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 there's always room for a GM and a team, a party, the players, everyone to kind of make it their own. And I think yeah. that's so cool. You know, it, it used to, in the beginning, Night City was not in California specifically. We said, here is a city, you know, we're calling it Night City. You can call it whatever you want. We're giving you some locations. You can change those locations, add to those locations, take those locations out. You put Night City wherever you want it to be. It was only later on when people kept saying, well, we want to know more about this world that we said, okay, well, let's, we, we'll define Night City in a source book. And now it's in California. But if you look at the original 2020 book, it doesn't really talk about where Night City is because Night City is wherever you need it to be. Yeah. No, uh, that was cool. that, that was the thing. And you know, now Night City is where Morro Bay is. Um, in fact, uh, we all have maps showing exactly how Morro Bay transformed into Night City. Yeah, and I love that. Red. And that, that's another thing I love when you guys do make the lore, the world history timeline stuff, all those sorts of things. I love the details that that that's put into that and the way it makes sense. You know, because one thing about cyberpunk. And I love all role-playing games. Don't get me wrong. I still play D&D. I started on that. Then when I got into cyberpunk, it's like that that dominates. I, I'm very passionate about cyberpunk, if you can't tell. But, um, oh, I appreciate it. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, that that's one thing is, like, I feel like there's no magic. You know, there's no potions. There's none of, It's just, um, I don't know. It's just it's more real, and it's more founded on reality. Obviously, a dark futuristic you know high-tech low-life version of but it's just it has that yeah. relatable level to it that just makes it extra immersive and then you know when you go into details of expanded life paths and all the things like it's just it's everything you know like as far as what you would want to make a character that you can totally dive into but anyways i'm going on tangents with yeah. that let, let me take it no, back no, I get to that. That, that, that's yeah, cyberpunk is or is is reality in a way. It's reality it, it, with specific aspects of it cranked up a couple of notches to make them almost absurdly obvious, like corporations as nation states, where it's 
relatively subtle in, in, in real life. It is obvious there. Um, or gangs, or, you know, there are these things which on their surface seem really absurd, but when you really think about it, the absurd just highlights it. It, it, it helps it make the, the point about what the genre makes points about, about, about unrestrained, uh, capitalistic growth, corporate growth, and uh, what happens to a society where people don't have a sense of belonging. Yeah, totally. Uh, the, like the detail and the depth of that and the vibe of it is what's so attractive to me. It's not just the, the open world aspect of role playing, but like, you know, like I was saying, the, the fact that it's based in something that feels so real. You know, yeah. it just, it makes sense. <laughs> and hell, that's kind of what we're living in right now. Minus all of us having cool cybernetics, we're getting all the bad shit right now in the world. Some of us have cool cybernetics, not true. just, just <laughs> not, not most of us. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's, a, there's a game designer named Eddie Webb uh, who is, works over, uh, among other places, Onyx Path. He runs and he owns um, Pug Steady Studios. They put out Pugmire, the 5e, D&D 5e setting, where you play uh, dog people with. <laughs> It's an adorable but fun game. Um, you know, he's, he's got he's got a great implant. You know, he can he's got a hearing implant, and he can run he can stream his phone right into it. Oh wow! Yeah, like through a Bluetooth connection. So that is pretty awesome. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the other thing back to the red, uh, the other experience. Sure, sorry. The other well, no, no. I love going on tangents and stuff, but I do want to pull it back because I, I do have you know a few things yeah. I wanted to go over about Red, and I know a lot of the people in in the Cyberpunk Uncensored group, um, you know, we're getting some questions in, in on the different pages, so I want to get to a few things. But um, the other thing is, uh, aside from expanded life path stuff, is the expanded roll abilities. I absolutely love that shit. It feels so real and it's so detailed, and it makes each roll so much cooler. I mean, just like as an example, just yeah. to name one, like the solo stuff, you know, taking combat sense and allocating those points into different subcategories to get different bonuses and things going on. Like, it's just it's so cool. <laughs> yeah, we, we really wanted to, to make it, you know, because because, you know, people said, well, no one plays a plays a rocker boy because the only time you can use your special ability is when you're in front of a large crowd and what's the point of that and so we we listened and we played and and nothing play tests you can you can spend years play testing a game but nothing play tests it like being played by hundreds of thousands of people all across the world uh giving you feedback uh, over several decades. And so, you know, we looked at it and we said, okay, what makes each role fun and how do we give them more of that? Like people were like, oh, well, the tech, tech jury rig is cool, but you know, how often are things broken in the field where I've got to fix it? So he said, okay, well, you know what? Um, one of the f- best things about, and this is one of the best things about video games, RPGs, right? It's crafting. Oh, yeah. People love to, you know, craft stuff. So we'll make sure that there are rules for making stuff and you know so techs can make stuff and in a world where there's scarcity the tech the tech rules oh yeah uh it, it's just one of those things where we um the med tech uh, gets more abilities and uh you know gets the, the med tech can make drugs the med and, and minister drugs the med tech can do a, there's a critical injury cent- uh, system that the med tech fil- factors into very well um so yeah every role has uh, much more versatility. The only role that hasn't changed in how much it does is Netrunner, because the Netrunner always could do a lot. Oh yeah, well, uh, the Netrunning itself has changed. Yeah, and but see, and I love what what you guys did with that. Um, you know, first off, 
going back to what you were saying, like definitely the rocker boy aspect and like, you know, having, uh, you know, certain uh, DVs that they have to hit to certain crowd levels and get the certain reactions that they're looking for. Like, it's just, it's, it's awesome. And it can be used in more than just that concert atmosphere. It feels like anywhere you go, you can see if people know you and shit. Like, it's just, it's, it's way cooler. And then also the, the exec, the corp, you know, the, the executive sort of uh, role, how, how it's, it's more specific now and defined when it comes to what the resources are and how you can pick and choose and different levels. And like, I don't know, it's really awesome. But back to net running, man, like where, where you've expanded certain things um, where it's truly appreciated. You've also simplified uh, certain things where it's needed, you know, because like net running from 2020 was a bit complicated. And it was to the point that like I know games that I've played back, back you know, back then. Uh, a lot of GMs would almost avoid net running and stuff because it was just too too difficult. And if not too difficult, it would take them out of the party. And I think, man, the way that you guys have just re fucking organized that man is just badass. Like it's, it makes them part of the team. It's just um, I don't know, so simplified yet still still uh, detailed and fucking badass. You know, like yeah, I, yeah. It's um. Uh, net running is almost a, a you know almost a, a, a quick back and forth dump 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 i go i do i do you do the i do you know i go the black ice goes i go the black ice goes and you actually only roll one stat you roll interface uh plus your d10 uh and the tactical aspects come from the programs and the abilities and it's, so it's it's a, it's it's sort of like it's sort of like chess it's simple it's fast but mm-hmm. it's also got some really strong deep tactics to it um if you want to use them or you can make it really simple um if you want to that's up to the gm and to the player yeah because like it can be complicated you know it doesn't just have to have that elevator format you know it discusses possible branching and things i'm like you know i I picture if uh you know you had a team of net runners and people really wanted to dive into it or there's a complicated thing here while they're also battling here because it also involves keeping the net runner in meat space because it's more of an ar than a vr situation so it's yeah. like, man, it's very uh, like they don't leave the team, and I love that, you know. But um, yep. but yeah, it's just it can be as like you said, as as deep as you want it, and as you know, detailed, or it can be very simplified. And I think that's that's yep. really cool, very cool. Yeah, and the other thing is with uh, we we made sure to add that there uh, there's a whole system of uh, different kinds of defenses a place can have, turrets, drones, collapsing floors. Yeah. Blue guns, uh, and uh, and you know that's all controlled. There's a system that's all controlled through the net. So your net runner is super important, but the system doesn't require the net runner either. That's the other thing is the system never requires you to have a. You know, it, it's not a case of you have to have a rogue in a party to find traps. Uh, you know, the, if the net runner can't do it, then you can often just physically fight your way through. Or uh, if you have a tech or someone with a good electronic security uh, tech skill. Uh, you can you can work through the defenses that way, but a net runner can do some really cool things because a net runner cannot just shut them down; they can take control. Right. No, exactly. It's very cool. And like so that's super useful. Yeah, they can do so much more. But like you said, you know, if because I I have a team that doesn't have a net runner, uh, one of the two that I, I run <clears> weekly. Um, one's a corp, and when he got used his resources, he ended up getting a net runner to help the team. But regardless, uh, you know, yeah, you can totally play it either way. Like, it's not a necessity. It's not like you said, you know, you don't only need a rogue to find those hidden traps and shit, you know, and I love that that part of it. Yeah. But speaking of, uh, you know, D&D style stuff, that's one thing 
that I liked that you guys kind of simplified or made, I don't know, easier and more relatable for the masses probably to become a mainstream game was taking on that D&D style of hit points and multi-classing stuff. Like, I I love that. That's really cool. And I think it... uh, Yeah. I know probably some people hate that because they like that whole track system of of the old school. But, man, when it comes to GMing and uh, streamlining and then also getting new players into it and just the way that it's run, to me it makes more sense this way. Yeah. In in the old system, you had a track and everyone had the same rough amount of damage they could take before they died uh, in terms of how many boxes you filled in on the sheet. Uh, and uh, the big difference was, and uh, uh, the big difference was that the, they had uh, a body type modifier. So depending on how good your body was, AKA how tough you were, that provided you with a certain amount of automatic damage reduction armor. Uh, and essentially when you went into the math worked the same, and it was the point where, okay, well, Either we can have them do, have the player do an extra step, which is first I do my damage, then I do my armor subtraction, then I do my body type modifier subtraction, and do an extra round of math, or we can just, you know, say that if you have a higher body, or in this case, body and will together, uh, and because it's not just body, we we don't tie it to a single step, then uh, you're going to have more. You're naturally going to be tougher to kill and so you know it, it, the math comes out the same the difference is is we no longer you, you no longer have that extra step we moved moved it under the hood as so to speak yeah yeah no it's it's fucking smart it's genius i love the way it works you know yeah and like i said all these changes like to me it just makes sense you know and you it, it's been done in such a way to where like not everything has been dumbed down and simplified because i know that was a big complaint with like for instance uh, D&D, the fifth edition, you know, um, mm-hmm. but look how big and mainstream it got and like it's, it's, it's happening, but I, I want to get into that in a minute as far as cyberpunk. Cause I, I have a thought on that, but, um, but yeah, no, I, I think that it's been simplified in certain spots, like I said, where it's appreciated, but then expanded mm-hmm. in other spots where it's appreciated yet, no matter what it's done, it's made sense. Like to me, there's no debate there. Like, even though I know some people are, you know, old school or traditional and they like maybe extra crunch to it or they just they're used to that or whatever but it just makes sense and it's just more streamlined it's just yeah. smart yeah the design goal was never to make it simpler the, de- the design goal was always to make it run smarter exactly uh, and and you know and, and you know there's there comes a point where you know you're saying okay so I have uh, I had to beat I had to beat a seventeen. So I have a, a three and a five, and I add two for this, and I subtract five for this, and I add two for this, and then, and then you know five minutes later you figured out the math and you roll and you add it all together, <laughs> and then you have to go again and you know then you roll again to see where they hit, and then uh, and yes we have gotten rid of uh, body locations as a random thing, uh, and then after that you've got to go through how many layers of armor are they wearing and and uh, you know. And uh, and then what's your body type mass? And by the time you're done, you know oh, people complain about that are taking a long time. Yeah, yeah but don't forget, don't forget. Everything. Yeah, and don't forget to have fun and try to imagine all that happening and like describe yeah. the action. Like it's it gets difficult when you're doing that much, you know. Yeah, well, that's yeah, one yeah. of the reasons why we we move from. I, I, I like to say the game isn't really less lethal so much as it is more punishing in some ways it's why we move to the critical injury system where uh if you uh if you uh, 
roll max damage on at least two of your dice for your damage, uh, you inflict a critical injury depending on whether you hit them in the torso, which is the default shot, or we're specifically aiming for the head, yeah, uh, which is, which is thing. And you know they're 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 nasty things. They're they're you know we we've damaged your eye, you've cracked your skull, you right. have broken ribs, and each has an effect. And, and you know, comes not with extra damage. You know, yeah, not everyone brutal. is you know ready for that, ready ready to do the big improv. And after like, after you know three hours of gaming, you're tired and you're like, oh well, I guess you're shot because I can't think of how to describe this anymore because I'm tired. It gives mm-hmm. you a little you know a little prompt, a little way to think. Okay, well yeah, you're shot. Uh, and according to this, you have uh, you you're shot, and now you have collapsed lung. Right. No, I love it and. You know, you saying like just because certain things have been more streamlined. I hate saying simplified because it's not simple. Like you said, it's it's, it's, it's been it's been made smarter. It's worked smarter, yes. not harder. You know, so it's definitely more streamlined. But it to me, it's it's more brutal. You know, not just because of the the crit injury stuff, but the uh, just the whole vibe of the atmosphere. Like like I I've been talking about this on on different episodes and stuff. But like I just picture like red is obviously post fourth war. Corp War and, you know, the nuclear fallout's just cleaned up enough that the city's been rebuilding, people are coming back into it, but it's cutthroat because all these neocorps are trying to make a place, booster gangs are trying to make a place, but it also has, like, you're never seeing the the clear skies and sun, it's always nasty red, there's, in my mind, you know, rain's happening multiple times a week and it's toxic before you go into places, you have to go through wash stations and shit, like, it's not just 2020 rough and dangerous, but now everyone's, like, wet and dirty and pissed off and, like, trying to, like, edge their way into a part of the city to make the name for themselves, so it's, like, to me, with all that streamlined stuff, it's also added this whole layer of atmosphere and aesthetic that's just extra dangerous and gritty to me, and I love it. I love everything yeah. about it. Yeah, nothing's no, nothing's more dangerous than a hungry dog. Right, <laughs> exactly. And everyone's hungry in the time of the red, oh, yeah. um, unless you shop at Oasis for the kibble. Uh, with your right. Oasis bonus points, you get uh, with your Oasis bonus points, you get extra kibble. What one, one extra kibble kernel uh, in every pack? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh God. Um, yeah, what I wanted to say when we were speaking of, uh, of, you know, the popularity and mainstream aspect of like, for instance, D and D and things like that is how do you feel about 2077? You know, I feel obviously going to bring a bunch of attention to the tabletop because people love the open world aspect of that. And they're going to see how the the tabletop, the role-playing uh, game version of that is just the ultimate open world. But um, but how do you feel about that? And, and which was in the works first, Red or 2077? And um, did each feed into each other's development-wise and, and without causing conflict? Yeah, um, Red was first because um, V3 came out. Uh, that, yes, that was the one with the dolls. I'm sure someone's already mentioned it in your chat. Um <laughs> And while I personally think it is actually a really interesting setting and a good set of rules that could use, you know, just a good strong scrubbing, uh, um, it was not, you know, it was too big a departure from cyberpunk. You know, it was one, it's one thing to blow up the world. It's another thing to replace it with a completely different world, which is basically what happened. Um, so after that, you know, Mike saw it and he said, well... Okay, people said that people were telling me they wanted more cool transhumanism and to evolve into, you know, they said cyberpunk was dying. So I was, I, I listened to them and I was evolving to the next thing. And it turns out people, what people want is more cyberpunk. So uh, he was, he worked and he talked to Dave Ackerman, who is a longtime friend uh, who uh, 
used to work full-time at the company. Uh, now uh, he is doing his own thing, but he still consults with us. Uh, so, you know, they were working on it, and they came up with uh, uh, what for a while I think they were calling uh, sort of basically 2020 2.0, you know, an extra two well there's as just a project name. And eventually it was going to be Cyberpunk Red because Mike's original intent was, this was back before you did full-color rule books, um, his original intent was to publish it with uh, red ink, which I'm actually glad he didn't because I don't think that would have worked out particularly well uh, <laughs> across the board. But he wanted he he, he wanted that to, you know to color code the edition. Uh, then uh, TDPR came along and they uh, got the rights to make the video game, and it was a case of uh, a lot of back and forth. They wanted to do this, and Mike would say, "Well, you." can't do that because I want to do this. And then Mike would say, I want to do this. And they said, well, we would really prefer if you didn't because we want to do this. And there was, you know, it, it, a good collaborative effort it takes a lot of give and take and working back and forth. And eventually they got to the point where, okay, here's our timeline. And it's actually not too different from the timeline he originally envisioned for the project. Uh, there are some changes, mostly additions based on uh, uh, things that CDPR wanted to add or do. And uh, from there, it was just a case of keeping going. Um, and a lot of it was, you know, it, it, it got first it got delayed because he was working on it, was, you know, meeting with him regularly and doing the thing and, and being flown, uh, go, going out to, to E3 and over to Germany for Gamescom and uh, and taking it easy because, you know, the man's worked hard all his life. He deserves to, to take a break now and again. Yeah. Uh, and plus, then the witch, we got the, the rights to the Witcher, and we made that. And while Mike wasn't doing the design work of that, he was, you know, rebuilding the business from being a relatively uh, small, dormant company to one that was ready to, pu- to publish uh, uh, a major game line based on a popular license. So <clears throat> the end result was Red came, the concepts for Red started before 2077, but uh, it is coming out now near when 2077 is coming out and there's just there's a lot of back and forth and it was you know right up until um actually uh, right up until now uh there's still some very small tweaks that are being done to 2077 before they go live you know before they go gold and start shipping the game and there are little things like we'll say like oh you know that character would look better with that hair (laughs) you know or you know it'll be thing like like or they'll say like oh you know we've got this character We'd love you to see just a mention of them somewhere. Yeah. So we set them up, uh, and you know, and there's and because y'all have no idea how big this video game is going to be. And I'm not talking about in terms of how popular it is going to be, but I mean just the sheer amount of stuff in it is yeah. amazing. And I have I've only gotten to see a tip of the iceberg where it specifically intersects, you know, things I'm helping with, and it's just amazing. So so no, but yeah, no, it's super collaborative uh, nice. to the point where. Know, Mike is talking to them all the time, and it, it's literally a case of, of um, they'll say, "Hey, Mike, when Johnny did this, what was he thinking?" Or uh, us saying, "Oh, you got this black wall thing, and we we obviously planned to have NetWatch shut down the net, but we never, you know, we never said the black wall specifically. Let's talk about that and see what it is, and see how we can make sure we." get the history or, or like things like who is, who were the presidents of the United States from the end of the fourth corporate war to the time of 2077 working together on all sorts of world lore yeah, like that. that. So 
that's super collaborative. And uh, by the way, some of them are jerks. <laughs> yeah, well, the, see, that's that's one of the things I loved about. I, I don't know if I read it on on your guys's website, on the blog postings, or something, or maybe something you posted and shared. But it was a while back, and it was talking about uh, you know the delays in Red and twenty seventy seven game that. Uh, you guys didn't want to release Red until everything was lined up with 2077 yeah. and vice versa when it comes to like the lore and the timeline of things and all that. And I just think that's so cool to cross over into that and match it up so it's all harmonious from you know 2020 going through Red up to 2077 and then crossing platforms from tabletop to video game. It's just yeah. so cool. I love yeah. it. And there's, you know, if you're a super fan and you're super into continuity and you love every, you're the person that like absorbs each trivia like a breakfast cereal. Uh, there is, there are a few things more disappointing than really loving a franchise uh, and then going and getting the tabletop role playing game and opening it up and, and reading a section and saying, oh, well, that isn't actually the way it is. Right. That's right. wrong. Um, and, I'm not going to say that's never going to happen. That the video games would be a little different. It's going to get a fact different from the tabletop game, or vice versa, because uh, in the sheer amount of information we're both dealing with, that's inevitable. Yeah. But we wanted to make it as close as possible because uh, the only, as far as I'm aware, the only time a video game and uh, a video game line and a uh, you know there's been a unified franchise line like this has been. Um, Star Wars back in the expanded universe days, back when Knights of the wow. Old Republic was canon, and so you know, we're, 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 you know, when you play 2020 or you play Red, you know that the things we say in that book that are lore are canon to the 2077 you play, and you know that that 2077, while not the only possible future, because obviously you're playing Red, you make your own future, right, right. But that is the most probable outcome based on the events we're writing. And, and, I, and so I'm not saying that if you're playing red, anything you do is futile because eventually it's going to become 2077 okay. no matter what you do because you make your world yours. Mm -hmm. um, it, but uh, you know that if the, you know that company they mention that has a history, there's a reason it's there. And uh, we may mention it. We may not. Maybe that company popped up in 2050 and it's past where we've we're written a source book for it. But we know about it. And if it exists, there's a pretty good chance we know how it came about. Um, oh, yeah. There is a, there's a Chinese arm manufacturer, arms manufacturer that CDPR has uh, announced, um, Kong, Kang Tao. You will not, they, they first show up in Pacific Rim, the source book, I believe, or possibly Solo Fortune, or yeah, Solo Fortune 2. Uh, as just, there's a gun, that's the manufacturer's name. Uh, they make cheap disposable weaponry knockoffs. Uh, in 2077, they are listed as making these really cool high-tech weapons. And we know how they got from point A to point B because we worked that out. Yeah, yeah it's so cool. No, I love the details of that. And, um, you know, I, I do believe that that connection, and like you said, you know, anybody can make it their own, obviously. It's your world. You know, it's not the be all end all that that timeline leading to 2077 but i do love the fact that those details are there to work with mm -hmm. and, and to do like for instance when we got the red advance i'm eating up anything that i could find on on what's up with red for instance i've incorporated into both teams those four neocorps that uh, that you guys posted about which i was wondering why are 50 percent 
of the neocorps that you guys post? I know it's only four, so. But why why are half of them from Texas? What's the significance of Texas? Is there going to be some? Um, honestly, I don't. It, it was this case of actually uh, that that was wrong. That's incorrect information. I apologize. Uh, um, Rockland uh, Augmentics, the cyber uh, limb building firm, they are in Texas. Right. Uh, Continental brands I list as in Texas, uh, but they are actually in Oklahoma. Oh, uh, but the okay. reason why I, Brooklyn is there because I, that's where they decided to put it. I think I think that they felt that it felt like a good old-fashioned, you know, deep Texas uh, company. You know, yeah, my you know, uh, everything's bigger in Texas. Yeah, our exec who works for Continental Brands, he was like, oh, cool, it's from Texas, because I was even thinking, like, my whole thing and the company and the employees, like, we all kind of rock that, you know, bolo ties and cowboy hats and southern drawl, so he's kind of doing like that and saying certain, like, you know, oh, that that's crazier than a cricket on Sunday on a what porch, whatever, you know, like these weird fucking country saying shits, like, yeah. um, but Oklahoma works for that, too. It's fine. I'll let him yeah, know. <laughs> Continental Brands is in that area because they uh, spun off of Petrochem, and Petrochem is a Texas – started off yeah, as yeah. a Texas oil company. Exactly. No, and I love that too. Like just the details in, in the little tidbits of lore that you guys have released, like all, all four of those Neocorps. I love I love what you guys yeah. are doing. I'm not, like I said, they are I'm, not the only ones, I promise. Yeah. Well, that, that brings me into this too. Before I get in, into that, what, I'm, what, I'm, what I want to get into, and you mentioned like source books and stuff because I have some things on my list here. Um, I forgot to mention too, like what another thing about Red that I loved that, that instead of simplified, slightly expanded in a way, but I love the way it works is the whole IP stuff, getting improvement points and the way it works, how it's almost like a report card system for the GM, you know, like it has all these, these that, that chart, that category stuff, and it matters whether you finish a campaign or you're in the middle of how, how you're rewarding, but then you're kind of, it's very report card like, and I, I really like that. I, I feel it's going to encourage players to get more into role playing and to see uh, or at least consider if they haven't already like the diversity within how they can be playing and doing things and being like, Oh shit. Oh, that's cool. And like, I don't know. I, I really like that system. I mean, I, I think I can, I can expand. I can give people a tease. Uh, so what, what, he, what, uh, what uh, uh, Mr. Mulligan is talking about is uh, I see now you sound like a fixer, Mr. Mulligan. Uh, <laughs> uh, is for the IP system, uh, you, the GM has a table, and they look at the table, and there are two sections. One section is, did the group complete a goal? Like, did they complete the adventure, the mission? And then you assign, assign IP based on uh, a series of uh, – an expanding category list. Like, how well did they do it? Did they do it with flair? Did they barely succeed? You know, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, were they creative? Uh, did they, they work together? Uh and that's actually I like that a lot. That talks a lot about working together, because uh, a awesome. lot of times cyberpunk, cyberpunk groups are basically I'm all alone. I'm in a group, but I'm all alone. Yeah. Um, but if you don't, then you can start looking at one of several individual categories which reflect a style of play. Where you know, did they have a combat style of play? Did they have a, a social style of play? Did they have uh, you know? And so you look at that, and he's, you and again you go up the list and you say you know what did they, what's the best thing they accomplished in each of those categories then he award them points based on that and you know it even goes a little it even goes a little meta because uh in the social category there is things like you know if you know that that person uh out of character was right. keeping people's spirits up you know and you know cheering people on and just being a, you know a really good player 
not necessarily right. a good gamer, but a good player, then you know you will reward that because the the meta stuff can matter too. Oh, exactly. So totally. So uh, so yeah, that's the way the system works. I won't get too much more into detail because, uh, like I like to say, until that book is in my freaking hands, right. everything is subject to change. Exactly. And even after that, it's subject <laughs> to errata. Though I don't think there's going to be too much need for that. Yeah, no, it sounds like, I mean, it feels like, sounds like, and I mean, you know, better than me, but it definitely sounds like the, the, you know, everyone's crossing the T's, dotting the I's and triple fucking checking and like everything is being put through the ringer to make sure it's as good as it can be. And that's another thing, like I see online, just like people with the video game or the tabletop, sometimes complaining about date pushbacks or when is it coming out? And, you know, you guys will post something or uh, CD Red or somebody will post something about the game, either version video or whatever. And somebody will always come, oh, you know, fuck teasing me. Like, why don't you just release it? And like, you know, that sort of attitude. It's very, it's very few and far in between. The community always seems to come together and dive, dive on those trolls, you know, and be like, what are you, what are yeah. you thinking? Like, everyone is, I feel the majority is like patient. Like, hell yeah. Like, I'm appreciative of the fact that it hasn't just been, oh, quickly put together. Let's make a fucking profit. And who cares what the, what the fans think? You know, like, I feel like you guys care and you're trying to make the best possible product. So in the end, your fan base loves it, you know? We're aware. This is, we're, we're aware that, you know, every book is important, but in some ways this is the most important cyberpunk book we've ever put out. We made possibly the most important book we, we've ever put out. We're, we're aware of that. We want to get it as right as possible. And a lot of it's just outside our control. The world's crazy, man. I mean, you know, you go to your printer and you say, okay, you know, when we're ready to print, how soon can we get it? And they'll say, well, you know, for five months, we weren't allowed to print anything but things that the government deemed absolutely necessary. Oh. Uh, and at this point, note that we do not print in China. We print on North, in the North American continent um, almost always, uh, except for in a few rare cases where specific components of, say, the Jumpstart kit have to be done overseas because there's no American or Canadian manufacturer who can do it. Um, and they'll say, well, you know, for the last five months, the government said you can't only do essential material because, uh, you, you know, businesses can only be open for essential reasons. And I'm from, sorry to say that Cyberpunk Red is not considered essential material. It is to uh, me. So, yeah, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I think it is too. You know, it's great, but, you know, it is not as essential as, uh, as yeah, yeah. other things. No, I know, uh, I know. And so, you know, we'll say, and they say, and so as a result, all the things we were supposed to print during that time were on hold. And now some of them went to other places, but a lot of them are saying, we need to print those now. And the thing about printing is, is actually printers are really fast. But if you are printing a book, there is only so much space you can dedicate to binding. Uh, okay, yeah. For example. And so... Um, so uh, there is there, there's a whole multiple, and then of course there's the for a while the distribution networks were down, um, and uh, you know and, uh, you'll get a lot. I, I get a lot of well, why don't you just release the PDF? And uh, it's been a bad year. We've actually done pretty well for a, how bad a year as it's been. There are a lot of, some gaming companies that haven't been as fortunate as we are. So thank you all. We appreciate your support. You've helped us uh, keep our lights on and keep our staff paid, and we really appreciate it. And oh, we yeah. want to give much of that to our retail uh the retail stores out there uh friendly local gaming stores as possible and even you know the smaller distributors because uh there was a time not too long ago where most people didn't realize that our Tesla was still a company it still existed and there were just a few retailers who would say oh well 
you know, I can't carry much of your stuff, but I'll order whatever I can because uh, we go back and we're friends and I believe in your company and I know someday you'll come back up and, you know, I know I can sell these somewhere. And, you know, so we want to we, we work with those people. We want to make sure that uh, I'm not going to believe that, you know, getting a dozen cyberpunk read into a store is going to keep it open, but it's what we can do to help. Oh, totally. No, and I love that about it. And I think you, you just tapped into something that I, I've mentioned before. And I love the fact that the cyberpunk community, the fan base, seems like, you know, compared to other industries I do, like the music industry, the film industry, even in the gaming, when it comes to like from video game, you know, aspect to, you know, even D&D and other platforms, I feel like the cyberpunk community uh, has more support than troll action comparatively. And, like, I, I get more shares, more likes, more honest, like, oh, that's awesome, and, like, shit like that, versus people just always looking to troll and be be the funniest or more wise-ass. You know, like, uh, I, I, I feel like cyberpunk gets, like, a cooler, uh, a more mix of people, but just, like, I don't know, a more supportive community. I don't know what it is, but I, I see it, and I fuck with a lot of different industries and things that I do, and I, I see it clear as day. Well, you know what I think it is, is that, you know, you look at cyberpunk and cyberpunk, it's this horrible dark future where everything goes wrong and everyone's always, everyone's out for themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, 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 it's the eighties on the worst part of the eighties on steroids in some ways. Um, and unfortunately, um, uh, the worst parts of the eighties didn't vanish when the eighties, when the eighties ended. Uh, and so, you know, you, you got all these people who see it and they say, you know, that's a fun game. That's a fun world to play in, but it is not a fun world to live in. And I can't make, everyone else not live not act like they live in that world but i can yeah and i think that's important i think you know there are a lot of people who take that idea that cyberpunk is a warning not an aspiration to heart and (laughs) and they you know they try to be a little bit better because of it yeah yeah no i feel it i see it like like i said doing the podcast the live streams weekly running the group the fan page the instagram aside from all the other things i'm juggling in life i get more support in that than than some of the other things that you know I fuck with. So I, I see it; it's awesome. And oh, um, uh, I'd imagine the VR community is pretty cool. Um, no, that that's pretty cool too. But even that has a lot of uh, you know. Th- there's a lot of like just like video game like Xbox versus PlayStation. There's like Oculus oh, versus yeah. HTC Vive, and there's because I run VR Live. We stream VR games uh, live all the time. If you go to Virtual Reality Live on Facebook, that that's one of the other things that I run. But um, regardless, that even that has like you know the haters and the elite and stuff and like the, it's just weird. But uh, just like all industries, you know. But I feel like cyberpunk when you get a little bit of that, it's just a touch of passion. Like you might get someone that I wouldn't even say elitist or come across like that. And they're not trolling. They're just like super passionate about cyberpunk and they love this version or whatever. But they're still not hating on other. They're they're still like oh I'm excited to see what's happening here and and this and like I don't know. I just I feel like the cyberpunk community is just more supportive than other industries I, I, I see. It has just less trolls. It still has them. Don't get me wrong. Like, you'll still get a dislike on a live game stream for no fucking reason. Like, why would you take the time to dislike people's stuff? Uh, you know, but just pound for pound, not as much comparatively, like I said, to other industries I, I work in. And I love that. Yeah. It, it is great. Oh, we've had some great experiences as fans. And very it, my negative experiences are relatively rare. Um, I am extremely fortunate. I am, you know, I am a, 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 a I'm a white guy. There's no getting around that on the internet. And there is hate that I do not get that other people will for other re- for reasons that they are not. Um, uh, but even, even so, um, 
Uh, there are people, you know, there are people out there that can they can pick up fuss. There are there are things in our in our company's history, not th- horrible things we've done, but um, you know, uh, you know, people will bring up uh, Cyberpunk V3 and how late it was, and how there's times when we've uh, we solicited that products were coming out and those products never came out, and they can harp on that. They can they can and they don't. They you know they they recognize that, you know, in a in a company's thirty something year history, it's gonna do weird things, and that's okay because, you know, in the last few years we put out several products uh they've been really good and uh you know we've really upped our art game and uh you know and they're just excited and i i love that now um and it, it's nice uh because uh, there have been times in the past where you know people will mention game designers and they'll forget mike and it's not out of malice it's that you know uh so our games have never been quite as uh, visible and flashy as some other mm-hmm. games, and so mention others, and, 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 uh, and, and you know, Mike, Mike's not a big self promoter. You know, he he's got that great wing voice, and when you meet him and you hear him, you can't forget him. But right. he isn't he isn't you know out there self promoting all the time. That's why I do it now because that's my job. And um, so, yeah, uh, and he definitely comes are, across very humble, you know. And I think yeah, that's see, that's a great quality. But it, like you said, you know. It's cool that you can kind of step up and help be the voice for him that he should fucking have because of the talent. You know, the, yeah. the sheer talent behind this. It's like it should, he should be out there like, fucking look at what I'm doing. It's awesome, you know. But he's not. He's a cool guy. And it's cool that at least he yeah. has other people kind of sounding off for him. Yeah, and it, it, he's been used by the amount of attention he's gotten, especially because of the video game. But it's just one of those things where – most people don't know. Uh, you know that thing you do in Dungeons and Dragons where you roll a, a die and then you add a stat and you add a skill. Mike invented that. Oh, yeah. I, okay, I caveat that. The year that was introduced was, it was that 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 mechanic, stat plus skill plus die roll, was first introduced in Teenagers from Outer Space and Ars Magica, two different games at the same time in the same year. So cool. Uh, it was developed independently by both him and Jonathan Tweet. And I can't say someone didn't come up with it beforehand, but I think it's the first time it showed up. In a, that year was the first time it showed up in games. Life Path, which was taking Traveler's character generation system and creating something different. That first showed up in something Mike did. you know. And people, I don't think, give him credit as a designer. I'm not saying this. I would have said this long ago as a fan. You know, Teenage from Outer Space and Castle Falconstein were story games and rules-like games long before there were story games, rules-like games as, as as major categories. So you know, they, I don't. He does not get the credit um, when people start talking. A lot of times, when people start talking about what designers innovated the industry, that I think he gets. I'm biased. Right. You know, he 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 signs my paychecks. Actually, he doesn't. Lisa does, but. Um, uh, <laughs> I honestly think that, especially because Castle Falconstein is my favorite game, it always has been, and, and you know it's the one he won an origin for. Uh, and uh, I think that you know there are things he did uh, years ahead of anyone else, um, oh, yeah. which later on now they see them, they almost seem mainstream because other people have done them. Uh, and you know it's it's great to see him getting recognition for creating things. Yeah, I feel I'm like- really really excited. No, I agree with you. I feel like he hasn't gotten the credit that he deserves, but I definitely feel like it's coming. I've seen what happened with D&D and them streamlining with 5th edition and then getting like the celebrity support streams, it getting enough popularity in mainstream that then it appeared on like Stranger Things, South Park, different films. I mean, it just it blew up. I feel the combination of what the video game's going to do to cross genre, cross platform, the hype behind that, behind Red 
it's you're going to get more and more of like the Matthew Lillards and people playing it. It's going to blow up. It's going to get featured on things. You guys, you know, there's shows and there's things I've, I've seen kind of in the works now that are going to come into play in years, like just in the film industry side. And I, I do think it's coming. I think that, you know, there, there's a reason we're kind of living in a portion of that lifestyle today. I think it's going to be a reflection on what's to come on that stress relief side of gaming. Because I have a whole episode where I talk about too, that too of, you know, role playing that that version of gaming is just so fucking different because you're not just playing as yourself. You're, you you completely separate from yourself and you're playing as someone else and something else in a world that you create. It's just it's therapy. So I do feel like, you know, with everything that's coming, it's it, it, it it's about to hopefully, you know, get the recognition it deserves and the respect it deserves. And hopefully Mike gets the credit he deserves, you know. Now, I will say, you know, the industry has treated Mike pretty well. For example, he is in the uh, the Origins Hall of Fame along with Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, many other really worthy creators. Uh, so that's been good. But, you know, I'm just talking about, you know, people start making lists online. Uh, and, you know, we don't need to be as big as D&D. And the truth is no one has ever been as big as D&D. Even at its lowest point, D&D was probably outselling everything else. Mm-hmm. Um uh, except for maybe a brief time when Paizo was on top with Pathfinder. Uh, we don't need to be that big. We want to make a good game. We want to get it out. We want to get enough money out of it to pay our bills and pay our people sure. decent wages. And if that grows, that is fantastic. But well, so that's um, what I love about it is it feels like, you know, family business that's taking their time to do it right. They're working smarter than harder and it's quality over quantity. And I do believe that all those things combined will end up, you know, equaling to the popularity, the respect and the attention that it deserves. And let's hope it gets to that point, because obviously we all want more players, more GMs and all that coming from the fan point of view, the community, you know, we want it to be bigger because then it, 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 like you said, pays all the bills. But man, if it can go beyond that and just fund numerous source books and things and just go more and more with modules and just get bigger, it'll be exciting. And speaking of which, let me get into that because I do want to bring it back to red and I, I, I wanted to ask, I know like the advanced red beta core rules that we have that you've been giving out to people um, or, or already went through giving out. You know, we already talked about that. But um, I know that it's the core rules and there's things mentioned in it like, you know, the night market and weapon details and certain things where it's like, you know, refer to page XXXX and it's not there, you know, yet. And I know that there's things being worked on and maybe we can't get into so many details of that, but I am curious within the red core book or separate is there going to be something like the night city source book and a night city map to kind of show what red how night city is uh there the best way to describe this okay so yeah i'll say that the beta rules did not go out with the lore um the lore is the lore was it was the last section to be finalized, and uh, uh, we did not want to send out uh, the, we did not want to send out what we had until it had gone through uh, uh, continuity checks, uh, which you know it, it's interesting. With rules, you play test them. With lore, you grab every rule book and anything you can get from CDPR, uh, and then you start going back and forth saying, okay. We said this person died here. Does the rule? Does a previous book says say this person died here, or did they died there? Yeah. Uh, and and going through it and checking that, uh, you know. So that's it, it's a whole different beast. Um, and it, in some ways, it's actually harder than the rules because 
the rules. I can say, oh, well, I need to know, does this gun hit? If, if this person has these stats, can they hit at this range with this gun X percentage of the time? Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a quantifiable goal. It's easy to test. You just, you know, literally I could write an uh, Excel spreadsheet to do it for me. Um, but, and in fact, uh, James Hutt, who is one of the, who, who is, uh, after Mike, the per- biggest influence on the rules of uh, calling the mayor of Ballenstown, uh, has a economy, ba- economist background. It actually came in very handy because it turns out the rules and economics have a lot, to, a lot in common. Um, but when it comes to lore, you've really got to go back and there's, there's 30 bucks of source material I've got to go through plus megabytes and megabytes upon megabytes, um, of, 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 uh, lore data from CDPR, which is not specifically organized for this task. Um, uh, so interestingly enough, when a video game company uh, starts writing lore, they don't specifically write lore like they're going to put it in an RPG source book. Right, right. Uh, they, they write it like they're going to be using it for a video game. So uh, that's important. Um, when Red comes out, it will have lore that's never been seen before. Oh, yeah. This is super important. It's stuff that wasn't in the Jumpstart Kit, something that's never been in a past book. It will have a, in, cool, some really cool information, um, and not just about the period of the Red. There are places where Mike's expanded on what happened even before the first edition, which was took place in 2013. Oh, nice, uh, nice. Expands on the history because, you know, Michael say, "Oh, there is this, but I never talked about why this happened." You know. I want to talk about it some here because I think it's cool and important. And, and, you know, this is my chance to tell people and it's my book. So why not? Um, so there'll be that, uh, there will not be, uh, there will be a level of detail to night city, um, which is more or less on par with what's in the 2020 source book. I'm not gonna, you're not going to get the level of detail you got in the night city source book because that's an entire hundred and something page source book. Oh, yeah. Uh, you want, there will be a map of night city. Nice. Uh, in fact, there will be several maps of Night City because we plan. I, uh, assuming everything works out, we plan on showing how Night City went from being Morro Bay, which, if you look at a map of Mor- of Morro Bay, looks very different from Night City. Oh yeah. To being the Night City of 2020, to being the Night City of 45, and I actually know how it went from there to being the Night City of 2077, but we won't show that. Uh, so yeah, there will be maps of Night City. We'll talk about locations in Night City. We'll talk about people in Night City. Awesome. Uh, we'll give you, we'll give you information to set in Night City. Uh, we will not give you a source book's worth of information, but we'll give you, we'll give you a good skeleton to hang your campaign on. Awesome. That that's the most important, like, because um, yeah, the, the original Night City source book, obviously, like the depth and detail in that. I mean, it's just so cool, and it is so much. Yep. I mean, it's it's its own beast. I understand that. It is. But the main thing was just when Red Core comes out, when the core rule book and that, that system comes out, is it going to at least have, you know, a map of Night City during the Red and at least enough that a GM can kind of, okay, you're on this street. If you got to go to this part of town, this is what you can, you know what I mean? Like at least an, enough of a map to see the city. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there won't necessarily be a, 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 um, a street by street breakdown. Um, it, it'll be more like a, probably more a bit more like a zoom out Google map. Cause okay. Yeah. 2020, all we awesome, showed was yeah. a teeny tiny portion of Night City, really. We just show the big center portion of it. Exactly. Um, and now we'll be showing we'll be showing something more equivalent to if you've seen the map in, for the 2077 yep. Night City. Maybe something a little bit that, more like that. Because yeah, the top, I was going to say that, that 2077 map, that's what I've been using to stream in the games right now. 
for our red using those core advanced rules, just kind of telling my players, this is the closest thing I have to what red is because I didn't want to use 2020 layout because I felt like after the fourth corporate war redevelopment, all that, it's going to be closer to how the 2077 map layout is than 2020. So I've been just using that temporarily. You're not that far off. And if you happen to own uh, the World of Cyberpunk 2077 sourcebook from uh, Dark Horse, Dark Horse yeah. uh, you can read, you, they talk about the history of each district a little bit in, uh, that, in there. So you can get a, a, a somewhat decent idea of what it would look like uh, around somewhere around 2045. Some of it talks about stuff that happens afterwards, uh, but for the most part. Uh, so yeah, the map is going to give you information. It's not going to say, okay, now you're on 2nd Street. And to get to Fifth Street, it's going to take you ten minutes right, right. because no, they're this far. But it is going to—it's going to say, okay, here is Night City. Uh, here is where this location is in Night City. Uh, this part of Night City is dangerous on this level, as opposed to this part of Night City, which is similar to the old. Yeah, yeah, uh, I love that. That's so cool. Yeah, very cool. I'm excited so, about that. Yeah. We're trying to give you enough, enough information without destroying our page count. Yeah, yeah, totally. No, I get it, and that's that's cool, and it, and it at least is included to a level to make that gameplay happen, you know, and, and you can dive into it. Um, yep. When it comes to, you know, not included in Red, but their own source books, I've heard, like, Mike, in, uh, I don't know if it was an interview or during gameplay stuff, there was a mention, or if I read it, about Black Chrome, for instance, like a, a new Chromebook yep. coming out. Now, is uh, that is that planning on, one, any ideas of when that might come out or is that just talk right now? And then also is that planning on being like a new edition of Chrome or is that going to take Chrome one, two, three, and four and compile it with a, a new, you know, a way to transition those stats into red to make sense and use with new shit added or like what, what, is, what can we expect as far as black Chrome and when? Okay. So, so black Chrome is, is in a way an evolution of an old project that was announced called Chromebook five way back in the day. Um, Okay. Again, before 2077, uh, you know, it's been the idea of doing a new Chromebook has been kicking around for a very long time, um, and in fact, a lot of it was done before we finalized the red rules. And what we're going to, you know, there's a lot of going back and saying, okay, well, this gun no longer can work this way because we changed this rule. Um, but Black Chrome will not have anything to do specifically with the old Chromebook, so we'll not specifically take there may or not may not be pieces of gear from that but it's gonna be mostly new gear um and it's the idea of black chrome as it currently stands subject to change is that it will be not just a book of stuff you get but more information about how you get it very cool because you know in in you went to the mall you bought your stuff uh, in twenty in, in Cyberpunk twenty seven seven actually it's going to be more or less the same. You go to wherever the mall, the markets. In uh, in red, uh, you may go to a night market. That night that night market, or you may miss it because that night market was only open for one night and it's gone. Um, uh, but it isn't for the most part. You may be able to get something at the local Oasis, but you probably cannot get a lot of this really cool stuff that's going to be in there. So it's going to talk about that. It's going to talk about uh, we're, there's some stu- there's stuff about the economy in, in the core rulebook, but it's going to expand on that and uh, and how you use it, and maybe even talk about how you use it for a game, not just about getting stuff, but how you use it to motivate plot. Um, I love because that. If you're if if stuff has to be gotten, someone has to go get it. Someone has to guard it. Someone has to make sure no one else steals it. Fixers will have the ability to make their own night markets. 
And, you know, so there's, there's going to be all kinds of stuff. And that, that's what, that's the intention of black Chrome right now. Uh, and cool. no, no specific release date on that. Um, though, uh, cause, uh, uh, we need to get a better handle on, uh, just how much more work it's going to take to finish, uh, cause it's going to require, uh, one of the disadvantages of going from black and white art to full color art, which we are now, uh, we're doing full color art for all our books oh, is yeah. that art takes a little longer. Um, so there is that we're working with a number of artists, uh, who specialize in depicting say things as opposed to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of crossover with the, uh, the video game, uh, asset creation artists, for example, the people who actually design the guns that are being used in borderlands. I not specifically, we have borderland artists, but you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, are, are, are doing work for us on black Chrome to design gear and equipment so we can show it off to you. That's so uh, cool. So- and let me say, yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of the new art. Um, I love the old art. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I love cyberpunk art, let me say that in general. And I love all forms of it, even artists out there that freelance and, like, manipulate real pictures to look like cyberpunk ones that are drawn. I love black and white, the color. I love it all because I love cyberpunk and I love the style. But when it comes to, you know, what you guys, the art that I've been seeing you guys put out, whether it's examples of the Neocorps, what's in Jumpstart, little tidbits that I, I, I've seen over the months, um, I love it. I love going color in the way that you guys are doing it. I think it just it you can dive into it more. You can feel yeah. you can feel the grit and the vibe of it more because you guys set more of a mood, uh, image to image. It's cool. I love it. And, and, and Jacob, our art director, just has a gift for working with artists, and the, the artists, you know, they work hard. And you know, sometimes uh, there, there's, there'll be two kinds of pieces generally in, in Cyberpunk Red. There'll be uh, original pieces specifically commissioned for it. Um, in which case, you know, it is from the ground up built for the game. Uh, we'll say we need this piece to look like this, this character or this pose or this thing. And other pieces will be um, she will go to art station and she'll see a piece and she'll say, hey, that should be in our game. And then she'll say, okay, she'll contact the artist and say, we'd like to, you know, arrange to have this piece in our game. The one thing is, is we want to make sure you have some logos in there. We want it to be our logos. So mm-hmm. even when they're not specifically um, original pieces made specifically for red, they are redified yeah, yeah. to more like they belong in the red world. And that's and it's great. We're working with some great logo designers who do some amazing work um, and making sure. And I can say that um, uh, one of the nice things is these days, it's really, once you have a logo, it's really easy to make a product ad. Uh-huh. for an imaginary product because there's all kinds of things that let you create digital food bags and cereal boxes yeah, yeah. and whatever um, to put that logo on and that art on. Um, like like these days, if you're seeing, for example, um, if you're seeing uh, a book being solicited, there's a very good chance that book, it's not a picture of an actual book. It's, a, you know, someone took it in Photoshop and they have a thing that, wraps the cover around right, a right. virtual book. Uh, and, you know, so we're, you may see some of that too. I love Cyberpunk that stuff. Red. That's one thing I love about the Dark Horse uh, World book is when they put yeah. in like those those fake ads and stuff, you know? Like I think that just, it makes it feel so fucking real. It's it's very cool. <laughs> yeah, we saw that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, do a, we'll do a little bit of that. We'll do a little bit of that in, in yeah, red. So there, there'll be some of that. And also, like you mentioned, the black chrome kind of, you know, gear and certain things and all that stuff, but then also how to source it. And it's just, 
you know, lays out the way it works, not just here's items, here's prices and stats on it, you know, and I think that's awesome too, because the way red is and how, you know, there's just not new shit being made all the time. Everything's just starting to reindustrialize or whatever. So it's, it's about sourcing parts and items from the past and finding missing things. And it's very cool. But that being said, yeah. is there a plan or maybe it's included within the red core and in the new black chrome idea, but is there going to be something similar to like what Morgan Blackhand's weapon book was like maybe a, a night market source book or something like that, where it's, which focused more on like weapons and drugs and like the, that darker side of it. Or is that all kind of in the mix oh, of black be, chrome? That would be a midnight market. Um, a, a, a night market is where you get stuff. A, a midnight market is the black market version of a night market. Mm. Um, so that, that is a difference. Now, uh, the answer is yes and no. Under the old system, there was a lot of room for having like 20 guns, and each gun was more or less the same gun with one little thing tweaked. Like this gun's slightly more accurate. Right, this right. gun can hold slightly more ammo. This gun you know, can do this, that. Um, in the new system, one of the changes is is that uh, there are fewer – there's less range for that. For example, weapon accuracy is gone. All weapons depend on your skill. You can buy – you can buy extensions to your weapon. You can you can you can upgrade your weapon to do certain things, but guns do not automatically come with a weapon accuracy plus two uh, because that gun is. Um, that being said, um, we also have not gotten rid of brand name guns either. They don't show up in the beta rules you have, except for in a few very few exotic weapon. Uh, what we call exotic, they're essentially individually specialized weapons, uh, but there will be uh, brand names. Um, so there probably won't be a need for a Morgan Blackhand, uh, a Morgan a Blackhand's Guide to Street Weapons. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> we, will have, we will not have a hundred different guns uh, the way we did in 2020. Uh, but that being said, you will definitely see specific guns. Like, for example, um, uh, you'll be seeing uh, that different manufacturers may make guns of different quality, which may have a, an effect on play. Uh, you may be seeing that uh, specific models have there are what we call exotic, which does not mean that for and D, you know in D twenty terms you think oh exotic I need a special proficiency to use it. Now that's when I say exotic I mean it is a for example a flamethrower. Right. is technically an exotic shotgun is that the, if it uses shotgun rules you fire it using i, I think the shotgun rule the skill but maybe heavy weapons but it acts like a shotgun except for it fires incendiary rounds uh in, in instead of incendiary shells instead of regular shells uh there will be specifics like uh a helix um or a, a tsunami arms or a malorian those will be in there and they'll have their own unique things. And sometimes, sometimes that unique thing will be rules. Like um, uh, there's a number of exotic weapons in red, which have rules where you need a body of 10 or above to use it. Cause they're technically Borg weapons. They're full yeah. body weapons are designed to be worn by people who have replaced all their parts. Um, and then sometimes those are, they, they aren't anything particularly special except for maybe they come with a built in set of attachments already upgrades already built in like Johnny's, uh, uh, Silverhand's gun, uh, which is basically a very heavy pistol that has a smart link built in and is extremely expensive because it's a collectible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we're, we're, we're less about uh, the crunch of guns and having 10,000 options for guns, which none, most people will ignore because that gun is almost exactly like that gun and more for having um, either, yeah, you got a very heavy pistol that guy's got a very heavy pistol. It's nice and simple. It's easy to run at the table. Yeah, yeah. Or 
on this specific weapon and this very, this specific weapon is cool. Um, so we're focusing either on uh, on uh, making it run faster or making it run cooler. Oh yeah, no, I love it. And like you mentioned about the skills that are used, it's less based on like accuracy of gun and, and baseline. I mean, it's very skill driven. So whether it be handgun or shoulder arms or heavy uh, for some of those exotics and, and bigger ones, it's always based on like, you know, your skill. And I really yeah. like that because um, it just, it, it relies more on the player, you know, or the, or the character, I should say. But I love yeah. that. I love there it. Are, there are advantages. Um, you know, you can, there's still smart links, which is good. And like I said, uh, weapons come with upgrade slots. Uh, the yeah. tech can upgrade weapons and weapons come with essentially attachment slots, which you can add uh, specific attachments to. Yeah, so uh, so uh, you can make, you can customize guns, mm -hmm. uh, but we're not, we're, we're not, you know, so worried about getting 30 guns out of the gate. No, I uh, love that. But no, I, think same, cooler. Right, I think it's cooler. I think it's cooler. The fact that you've taken the, the weapons instead of a hundred of them, you've made, you know, enough that it's important to use and you have the diversity, but then within those guns, like you said, there's attachments and things that you can do to do different things in the same breath or the same way that maybe you might get a targeting scope to help your aimed shots in a cybernetic eye or something to speak. Like you can upgrade guns just like in the real world if you were to get like a shoulder brace or a targeting scope on it or a laser sighter. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's it's very cool. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's designed so that you can make a gun your own. And at the same time, we'll, we'll be providing with information for brand names, so it's very easy to say, oh, well, I've got a, um, an, a, an SNK uh, 5230 or a Malorian Arms 3155 or um, a uh, Militech Ronin or something like that. Yeah. No, I love it. So I think we touched base on everything and anything that I wanted to bring up and talk to you about. And I know you're in a later time zone and we went, you know, well over an hour and stuff. But I really appreciate you spending the time with me and talking about all this stuff. You know, like I said, I'm, I love cyberpunk. I'm so appreciative of getting the advanced copy of Red. Like I said, I'm streaming two teams a week and I'm doing it. You know, I'm doing the podcast, running the pages and groups. I'm passionate about it. So, like, you, you know, I'm appreciative of you joining me and, and answering these questions. And, um, and I, I checked the group chat. Uh, everyone is just excited that you're here. Um, the same questions I read there, I think I've already gone over. Um, cool. So I was going to say, I have enough time. If you, if they, people had questions, I'd be, I'd be happy to try to answer a few. Yeah, let me double check. I, I'm pretty sure, you know. We, By the way, I, I, I'm glad you got Ellen on the show. I'm, I want to. I can't wait to listen to her, your interview with her. Yeah, yeah. We we just did that yesterday. She's awesome. I love her energy and um, attitude towards everything. Um, you know, and I love, like I said, listening and watching live gameplay, and they do that too. So I love it. Um, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a tight community. It's very cool. But um, yes. but yeah, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, you know, before before we get out of here, I just want to say what I always say, which is everyone listening, please like and share the video. Join the Cyberpunk Uncensored group on Facebook, the Instagram account. Check out the official fan page. Definitely go to youtube.com slash mulligan live. I stream live gameplay twice a week. I'm using the new uh, red beta core rules, so you can check that out. Um, you know, I, I really appreciate the support. I have a passion for this, and I'm going to do it regardless, but obviously it's more fun when I get your support and love. So give me a like, give me a share, uh, join us on the live gameplay. Check out our Talsorian Games, their website, check out their fan page, their Twitter account, Instagram. Anything else you want to plug, Jay, or anything we didn't mention? You know what? Um, I'll just say 
that uh, you, if, you, if there's a book you're looking for and you look hard enough, you can find it on the internet in a place where you can download it for free. If you do, or if you uh, prefer uh, not doing that, uh, please consider going to our site or to your local gaming store or to Drive Through RPG and buying it because the truth is is that the margins in role-playing games is very small. And every little bit we make counts towards keeping uh, our employees paid and our lights on and letting us make more games. And we really appreciate it. Hell yeah. No, I second that. Everybody listening, you know, and, and I know like all the friends and people we're working with and in the group, they're, they're just all waiting for it to come out to go buy it. You know, we're very, I want it hands on. I want to touch it and see it, you know. And, um, yep. and also the other thing I want to mention, I'm glad you mentioned about supporting and on the site. One thing that I get asked a lot, because almost on every live stream, I wear a different cyberpunk shirt. I wear a different Arasaka one, a different Militech one. I have, you know, ones I've gotten off other sites, but I have all the different ones that you have on the Artalsorian Games website, too. I ordered through there, and I wanted to mention that because I've had some GMs comment, like, where do you get your shirts? And I always, I always say it, you know, I always comment back and stuff, but I wonder if they ever see that reply because how social media is. So I'm going to say it right here in the video. Go to the official Artalsorian Games website. You'll see where it says shop or whatever. It takes you to their uh, cafe press site. There's a bunch of different designs. You can get them in different colors and sizes, all that shit. Start wearing the gear. Start helping promote Cyberpunk. Let's build up the hype, guys So guys and girls. So check it out. And um, I think that's it, man. Thanks so much, Jay. I really appreciate it. And everybody watching, take care. Talk to you later.